We're going to jump into our sermon for tonight. If you've been hanging out with us for the last few weeks, you know that um, we are in um, a teaching series that's called Planted. And um, kind of the, the handle that we've been holding on to for this series is uh, the believer must plant themselves in consistent fellowship with God and they will bear the fruit of the Spirit. And um, we've, we've used Psalm chapter 1 verses 1 through 3 to, to gain this idea of what it means for the believer to to be planted next to streams of water. And it says that David, the one who wrote this psalm, said that their, their roots will grow deep and will grow strong and how this is a correlation to the Christian being planted in consistent fellowship with Jesus and how your roots grow deep and strong. And so we've talked through different spiritual disciplines. And so tonight what we are going to teach through is the spiritual discipline of silence and solitude. So if you are using the YouVersion app for your notes, go on and get the YouVersion app and get that out and make sure to save the event. If you're using a paper Bible, we are going to be looking at Mark chapter 1, verses 35 through 39. And like I said just a few moments ago, um, Kaylee did an amazing job uh, preaching last sun, uh, last Wednesday. Um, if you missed that sermon, uh, you can go to Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts and type in Bethel YTH and be able to find those sermons and uh, listen to those. So in the text that we'll be preaching from tonight... We find Jesus with um, his 12 disciples. And his 12 disciples have entered a city called Capernaum. It is the Sabbath day, so it is Saturday because they are Jewish. Um, and so they, where they were in Capernaum, they went straight to the temple. And Jesus began to teach in the temple. And as he is teaching, a crazy scene starts to unfold. A demon-possessed man comes into the temple, and Jesus casts out this demon out of the sky, and the man is fully restored. And as you can imagine, if someone were to walk into this room right now in this moment, I'm just making sure no one's going to do that. That's demon possessed and expressing, the demon is expressing itself, is like flailing himself all around, he's out of his mind. Um, and Jesus cast the demon. And as you could imagine, um, you would probably be pretty amazed if that were to happen. Um, that's not all. After they left the temple, Jesus went to uh, the house of Simon and Andrew, two of his disciples. And Simon's mother in law was sick in the house, and Jesus heals her in that moment. And so in the, the verses that we are going to be reading and studying tonight, Jesus was traveling, he was healing people, and we find um, that Jesus does something that we often don't do. He goes away to be alone. So Jesus is about to, in the next coming verses, about to heal some people and begins to teach his disciples a spiritual discipline that is key to a deep connection with the Father. And in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus, um, uh, or Mark records on 13 different occasions where Jesus was going to be alone. And this is a big deal um, because if Mark gets these eyewitnesses account from Peter, that's how he got all of his information to write. Um, the book of Mark was from Peter. It means that Peter recognized that silence and solitude and being alone was an important rhythm of Jesus's life. And so we're going to talk about that rhythm tonight. So let's stand together as Emma Gomez comes uh, to read our passage in Mark chapter 1, verses 35 through 39. Yeah. 
in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the, to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Awesome. Thanks, Emma. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So if you were to take a few moments and if you were to read those few verses that Emma just read for us, you um, would be able to summarize this passage um, in a brief sentence or two. And um, here's how we are going to summarize these few sentences tonight. Jesus knew that that retreating to pray and rest was essential to his mission to reach the world. Jesus knew that retreating to pray and rest was essential to reach the world. So silence and solitude. These are two words that seem to be um, opposites in today's day and age. It looks like in the way that we orient our life, it looks like we work hard to make sure that those two words never exist in our life. We always have music playing. We always have a podcast playing. Sometimes when we're doing homework, we have music playing. Sometimes we have a show on on Netflix in the background while we're doing homework. Um, I constantly listen uh, to something when I'm driving, when I'm mowing the lawn, or when I'm just by myself just doing things. I'll listen to podcasts. I was kind of setting up for you tonight, and I was listening to a podcast, which was really ironic given the subject matter of tonight's sermon. But it's interesting how technology plays a significant role in making it so we never have to experience silence. And to go even further than this, that we never have to experience boredom. We work extremely hard to make sure that we are kept busy. We orient our lives so that it is nearly impossible for us to slow down and reflect on life. And maybe you think to yourself, Taylor, I'm 13 years old. I'm not going to slow down and reflect on life. You know, I haven't lived that much life. But I think even if you are 13 years old or 18 year old or 16, whatever age you are, I think it's incredibly important to look at the life of Jesus and recognize that silence and solitude was a big deal. So what are silence and solitude? Um, Here's a definition from uh, John Mark Comer's book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. He says, uh, silence and solitude is this, intentional time in the quiet to be alone with ourselves and God. So let's break these two words down just a little bit more. Let's break down what silence is first. So John Mark Comer's definition of silence and solitude is very simple, but he would go even further. He would say that there are two dimensions of silence. There's two dimensions of noise. There's external and internal noise. And on on the contrary, what would internal and external silence look like? So maybe external silence could look like this, being in a quiet place where there isn't any music playing, where there isn't a podcast playing, where there isn't um, TV, there isn't Netflix, there's not YouTube, it's just quiet. Maybe that place for you is nature, maybe it's your bedroom, maybe it's your backyard, maybe it's a park, and I don't know what it is for you, but these are places where you might find this external silence to allow your body and mind to focus. 
Um, another step in creating external silence is not to talk, which is kind of hard for us a lot of times, right? Especially when we're in groups of people, not in school hours. It's really hard for us not to talk. Hint, hint, youth group. <laughs> um, <laughs> so what does those say? This is external silence. What does internal silence look like? Internal silence means slowing your thoughts and mind down to focus. Your mind always is continuing to work. It's always thinking of something. It's always working on something. It's thinking about a problem. It's thinking about stress. It's thinking about the assignment that's due. It's the final, the paper, the project that you need to turn in tomorrow so that you can be done with the school year. It's always thinking about what's next. It's, it's continuing to think about how you should have responded differently to that person. It's thinking about how you want to get revenge for what that person did to you or to one of your friends. It's thinking about your homework, like I said, and how much you have to do. It's your to-do list. And I would say it's easier to silence the external noise because it can feel impossible to silence the internal noise. So let's talk about what solitude is. So without silence, there can't be much solitude. An important distinction is that solitude is not solitary confinement. Solitude is not um, loneliness. Uh, solitude is not isolation. Wayne Cordero, he's a pastor, he says this, there is a difference between isolation and solitude. They may contain similar characteristics, but in reality, they are worlds apart. Solitude is a chosen separation for refining your soul. Isolation is what you crave when you neglect the first. John Mark Homer, also in, in Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, would say this in the difference between silence and or solitude and isolation. He says, solitude is engagement. Isolation is escape. Solitude is safety. Isolation is danger. Solitude is when you set aside time to feed and water and nourish your soul, to let it grow in healthy and health and maturity. Isolation is what you crave when you neglect the former. And I would highly encourage you, if you are a reader and you're looking for um, uh, books to read this summer, I would encourage you to pick up John Mark Comer's book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. It's a really bright orange title. Um, if you have Amazon, just type it in and you'll find it. It's a really good read. And it's all focused around slowing down in your life. But in the silence and solitude, you can begin to hear God's voice cut through all of the other voices that you're so used to hearing. You hear the voice of social media. It's not that like the literal voice of the people you follow, but it's the constant noise of social media. Your 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 uh, what are they called? News feeds. Your right? No, not news feeds. What is it called when you're scrolling? What is it called? Your real your when you scroll through Instagram. I mean, Instagram Reels is a thing. What is it called? It's just your feed, right? It's your feed. Yeah, as you're scrolling through your feed, I think I just dated myself with Facebook and news feed. But anyways, social media's voice. <laughs> um, but also your own thoughts. Maybe the, the, your friend's voice. And here's the thing, though. These are not bad voices. 
Social media's voice is not inherently bad. Your own thoughts, they're not always bad. Your friend's voice is not bad. It's just that they can sometimes get in the way of hearing God's voice. So in the discipline of silence and solitude, you might begin to differentiate between what is true and what is not true when you slow down enough to listen to the, audible, or to the voice of God. Did the lights just flash too? Interesting. Is that you, Kyan? Oh, Kyan. Get him out. I'm just kidding. We love you, Kyan. Kyan's the last person to get pizza tonight. I'm just kidding. Are you guys looking for the power button on the computer? It's in the back. Yeah. What? Oh, it's really good. We're going to keep going. We don't need slides. Um, what am I talking about? The voice of God. In the discipline of silence and solitude, you might begin to be able to differentiate what is true and what is not true when you slow down enough to listen to the voice of God. Eric, I want to bring some clarification to that. Because oftentimes you hear um, a person with a microphone or a small group leader, and they're like um, talking about the voice of God and hearing the voice of God. And oftentimes we can think of the voice of God as hearing another person audibly talk like I am now. So to clarify, when I say hear the voice of God, I'm not talking about an audible voice. What I'm talking about is we should become familiar with God's word that when, we, when someone speaks error, it's clear to us that it's not God. By comparing what we hear to the truth of scripture, we can learn to recognize God's voice. God has given us a lot of words and they've been compiled in what we have as the Bible. And in the digital age, this concept of slowing down and practicing silence and solitude seems like it's not even possible. The goal of technology is to make things faster. Let's give Kyan a hand and Josh. Good job. Yeah. I love it. The goal of technology is to make things faster the goal of technology is to make life more convenient and give you the option to curate an experience that you want to experience. You can tell your Alexa or Google Home to create a list for you, to play a song for you, to do really whatever you want it to do. But here's the thing. Um, technology, now, now like everything, not technology is not negative. It's not bad inherently, but it can produce some negative things, like one of them, speed. This allows us to produce items or accomplish tasks in a faster amount of time, allowing us to produce more. So there's a positive thing of technology. Uh, it creates convenience, like I said. Um, I can order groceries online while the kids are in bed, and we can pick them up the next day without getting out of our car. And this allows Megan and I to spend more time with our family and not be stressed out at the grocery store with a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and a one-year-old. And all the parents know that when you go to the grocery store with kids that age, it can be bananas. So... Uh, so that's the great thing about technology. Um, it gives you an individualized experience. This allows you to experience the things you enjoy and love in everyday life. Now, on the flip side of this, like most things in life, there is a dark side. 
And the dark side of the digital revolution, as explained in his book, Analog Church, J. Kim, he says this, the speed of the digital age has made us impatient. The choices of the digital age has made us shallow. The individualism of the digital age has made us isolated. So the question that you might be asking yourself is this, what does this have to do with Mark chapter 1? What does this have to do with following Jesus? I want to tell you this has everything to do with following Jesus. Jesus began his ministry by healing people and teaching people in these places of worship. He was busy. He started healing people of diseases and ailments and driving out demons. And um, within 24 hours of returning from another desolate place. So what does Jesus do directly after these teachings and these healings? Let's read verse 35 again. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. So after a long day of pouring himself out and helping people, the Son of God knew his soul needed to connect with God the Father and to do this in solitude. And when the Bible says, that Jesus went to a desolate place to pray. We don't know what he prayed. It doesn't record his prayers. But what Jesus, how Jesus taught people to pray, we have in Matthew chapter 6. He says, and we talked about this a few weeks ago in our series on prayer. It says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So Jesus was teaching his disciples in Matthew 6 about prayer. And it's talking about how we need to recognize the greatness of God. To recognize that God provides everything that we need. And that he would continue to lead us in forgiveness and strength. So Jesus is recognizing in these moments his need for connection to the Father and how his provision and his trust is in God the Father and his peace and rest that comes from being silent. And so we're going to go into our small groups and we're going to talk about some questions relating to this text. And we'll talk about some ways that we can practice the discipline that Jesus taught us of silence and solitude. So we're going to release right now into our small groups. Um, The guys are in the back of the room. Girls are in the front of the room. High school is over here. Middle school is over here.